Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Corey Willis with PVI and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of DD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. I want to encourage you guys, if you're not already subscribed and following the podcast on YouTube, I want to encourage you guys to do that. There's a lot of great conversation and information that's in the comment section on all of our episodes. And there's listeners who have you know, their own opinion on a particular product or a build or feedback. And so it's really cool to be able to see what you guys are talking about and we get show suggestions from there and to be able to interact with our fans and our listeners and make sure we deliver the type of episodes that you guys are wanting to hear and the products that you want to hear about. On today's episode, we've got Lenny Reed, the owner of Dynamite Diesel Products on podcast, and it's always a fantastic time to chat with him. And he's got some really amazing news, something that that I think is going to completely change the way that custom injectors are built, especially for the competitors that are out there, what they're going to be able to do with some new equipment that they have. And I don't want to steal his thunder. We want him to announce it on on the episode, but we're going to chat with him about that. And then also what they've been working on, not just with injectors, but there at the shop and with the crew and and everything that's been going on since the last time that we, we chatted with Lenny. All right, let's get to the podcast with Lenny and talking about diesel injectors. Lenny, I'm really excited to chat with you again today. It's been a, been a little bit since we chatted, but I know it's been because dynamite diesel has been extremely busy and there's a lot of cool things that you're working on. And uh, I wanted to catch up with you, see what you guys have been up to the last couple of months. Uh, well, thanks for having me back on. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, it's been for, you know, as long as you shut off the news, it seems like the world is just coming on, on fire for everybody in the truck industry. As far as I'm concerned, it seems like everybody I talk to is really, really busy right now. And, and we are too, for sure. It's It's been a great six months for, for the diesel industry, I'd say. It's It's been a common theme that I've heard as well just talking even with truck owners out there and they'll send us a picture of their truck and say, Hey, here's what I've been working on. And I, you know, in chatting with them, they've done most of it this year. And I've been wondering what is it, you know, there's been so many projects and so many maintenance and upgrades things that have been done this year. And it's been really hard. I've been trying to wrap my head around how is everything so busy and you know, there's, you you guys are, are, are slammed with you know doing injectors and there's torque converter companies that are busy and turbo companies and it's really cool to know and see because there's some industries out there that haven't done as well you know you think of the restaurant industry and and things like that where they've just you know really taken everything hard with what's going on yeah i mean i guess the world moves in cycles and right now we have to thank our lucky our lucky stars for giving us what we've got but yeah you're right like the restaurant industry travel industry uh, hotels, airplanes, uh, theme parks, and that's a lot of people that were employed. And even construction companies, you know, there was there was guys that were deemed non-essential and projects sat there not being worked on, and then all those construction workers get sent home. And construction workers are no joke. There's a lot of construction workers out there that make good money, that are our customers, and they fund 
like I've got a buddy that sells potatoes and he's not moving any potatoes because French fries aren't being cooked in deep fryers, you know? Yeah. It, it's crazy. Like the way that this world is changing right now and I, you know, it, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing the new normal and mask this and COVID that. It, I'm just over it because I go to work and I come home, I jump on my mountain bike, I go, I do my life and I can't tell that any of it's really affecting me unless I turn on the news or unless I open up Facebook and then I just get bombarded by bad news and I'm over it. Oh yeah, I've had to stop. I haven't watched the news in quite a while and Facebook and Instagram I have to be careful with as well where I go or what I'm looking at because it's just like doom and gloom. But in, in, you know, my life or the people I'm talking to or, or interacting with, that's not, that's not what I'm seeing. And so it, with the dynamite diesel story, it's what I really wanted to kind of hone in on today is I see these really cool things you guys have going on with injectors, uh, people that are calling you guys up and either, you know, getting a set for their five, nine or their new truck, which is really cool. We were just chatting about, or, you know, the, the engine and, uh, you know, racing's kind of starting to come back to the forefront and, and you know, that, that whole exciting part of, of diesel. But I wanted to ask you with the people that are, you know, calling you guys up and, and getting injectors, how much of it would you say are newer trucks versus, you know, like a five, nine or an LB seven or, you know, seven, three power stroke or six liter. Um, that's right now. I think that probably 70% of the work is like hundred horsepower and smaller. So like fifties, seventy fives, nineties and hundreds. And that's across the board for Jimmy Dodge. Um, there's probably, it's actually overwhelming because there's not very many drag races. There's not very many truck pulls. There's not any dyno events that I've heard of. And yet we're still building injectors, I would say, three sets per day for over 1,000 horsepower builds. Wow. So, and I mean, some days it's six or eight, and I'm just laughing, like, what are these people doing? But, <laughs> you know, we're getting smarter. And you know the one thing that I'm going to say and I'm thankful for about COVID is the fact that with COVID, it took the UCC, the truck pulls, the drag races, and put it on ice for a year, which gives us, the manufacturers and the race teams, time to, instead of just hurry up, we got to get to the next race and perform the exact same way we've always done. We have a full year worth of dyno testing to do and diagnosis of parts and try and, you know, like really innovate some stuff over the course of a year. So next year, I believe that racing sled pulling, dynoing will probably, it might not be any faster and you might not pull any further, but I do believe that it will be more reliable in a year than it was a year ago. That's a really good point. Oh, it's easy. Like, well, you saw the post that I put on, on Instagram last night, just as I was scrolling into bed, I said, Hey guys, I want you to guess what our, what our uh, horsepower is on our very first pull, not like all tuned up, just our very first poke. 3.6 charger, 6.7 motor, injectors pump, uh, you know, quite a bit. They're 800% over injector nozzle to five-hole nozzle. So I threw some clues out there, and I just want people to guess what that thing made on its first pull. And I can tell you right now that five years ago, first pull was always a mess. Tuning wasn't nowhere calibrated. You know, you always had some sort of uh, fuel pressure issues and all sorts of stuff. And to show people how much further between tuners, engine builders, 
injector people, like how much further we've come and the data we've collected. First poll, what do you think this thing's going to make? And then throughout the next few days, I'm going to start releasing, okay, first poll, we made this much. Second poll, we made this much. Third poll, we made this much. Ran out of air. And so on and so forth. Uh, I, I just really, the amount of technology from everybody in this industry has gotten so much better. All the engine builders are better. You know, even three years ago, UCC motors, eh, they weren't really living. I believe in a year, you're going to see a lot more people going to the UCC and then coming home on the same engine. That's uh, that's something I didn't think about. I didn't think about you know, when every, maybe not everything, but most events, most things were, you know, have been forced to hold off till next year. And when I was thinking back to some stories and, you know, like last year and the year before, I chat with some of the UCC competitors like as they're driving to the event and it's always it's just a, there, there's timelines involved because you know they're leaving their business or they're driving across North America to go to it and they need these parts and then it, you know after a few days the event's done they're heading home and then it's like okay now I've got to cram for it again next year you know really fast and it, I'm sure that puts a lot of pressure on the research and the development and the testing each and every year so i can completely see how 2021 and the kind of power and reliability that's in these engines is going to be completely different than what it was before yeah i mean it's you burn out when you go to a show break stuff turn around come home go to a show break stuff it's repeat re-rinse and reprocess and it's just it's expensive and after what we spent last year in the race program, it did not pencil out. Like my accountant and my banker are looking at me like, this is a really bad idea. And uh, even us owning our own sled, like that does not pencil out. Like you, by the time, and the way I was doing it is I was taking my employees off of the job and then having them, you know, run the sled and the sled event, which means we're not really making money at the event, but we're really not making money at the shop. So this year, even before COVID, I decided and I told everybody up front, like, we're not bringing the sled out this year. Sorry, taking the year off. Hire a sled from somewhere else. I'm going to try something totally different here for a year and see what happens. And we're actually going to try and purchase our own chunk of property and host our own, like, say, three sled pulls next year. And I'll work with the same group of guys that I've been working with with that rule package. And that way we're not having to travel. We're not having to worry about, you know, crossing the scales and the DOTs across state lines and all that stuff. And if we put on, say, three poles in our own backyard and it's pretty easy and, and not that much effort on my behalf, then we'll get back into it, and I think we'll have a pretty good time of doing that. But first got to buy property, then i got to build a track, then you got to put, you know, a safe place to put, you know, spectators and all that kind of stuff. But it, it really – I think that it's going to work out pretty well. So, you know, it's – yeah, this year – when COVID hit, I told my crew every day, you know, we have our little morning meeting. Guys, how y'all feeling? Everybody feels good? Okay, great. If anybody feels bad, please don't come in. Stay home. And uh, when you're staying home, just give me a call and let me know what's going on. And you may stay home, and I'll pay you to stay home. I just don't want you to bring that here and then take everybody in the crew out and possibly shut the shop down. So we kind of played it safe. But on the other hand, the not-so-safe side of me, decided that there was two ways that COVID was going to change the country in a short order. A, you could either slam on the brakes, shut down, and get ready, you know, start cutting down an inventory and things like that, 
and uh, get ready for what was possibly going to be the biggest crash ever to happen, or B, which is what we chose, stand on the gas, start ordering up new tools, stockpile a bunch of inventory, and go into massive debt. So I did that. And within a couple of weeks, we bought a pile of inventory, more than we've ever had. We bought test stand. We bought another test stand. We bought more small widgets around the shop to make things a little bit easier. Restructured, rebuilt. You know, we had some construction going on and, of course, the EDM. But we spent a load of money this year, and it is it is insane how much more efficient everybody in the shop is right now. Recipes are labeled everywhere. You can't mess up anymore. It is you truly would have to actually do something almost deliberately to do it wrong now. So, and we're with the same crew staff. Last week, we had uh, uh, one of my guys. After six years, he decided he was going to go do bank loans. So now he's a uh, he's a home loan guy. Uh, so we didn't have him last week for the first week in six years. Uh, that was my lead phone guy, lead email guy, uh, and then one of my guys in the shop, top shelf, badass guy. Uh, Adrian decided it was time to take a vacation, and so we lost two people in one week. It was still probably our very biggest week that we've ever had in the company's entire history. Uh-huh. When you were chatting there, it was I had like a, a dozen podcast episodes going through my head that I've done because I think there's a lot of uh, business owners, shop owners, and then you know truck owners that are listening that are you know in other industries where that's exactly exactly it is like we had we all had a choice of whether to put on the brakes or to accelerate and and we're still in the middle of all this you know it's not over yet and so that investment and i think the efficiency too that you have to have had to pull out you know like refocusing as you mentioned on hey we're not going to do the the pulls we're going to focus on injectors and what we do and and what we're doing here that when this is all over it's going to put dynamite diesel steps ahead of where it would have been without or quicker i should say than without COVID 19. you know there's a lot of things that i'm gonna say and my competitors are going to be like wow that's a really great idea i better do that and one of them is i decided that we were going to buy like a real test stand something that we could trust something we could use for calibration, even on high-end stuff. And I'm going to buy all the calibration shims necessary, and we're going to put it in a trailer. And that way, when I, like my engine dyno is at Perkins Truck Shop in Missouri, just outside of Springfield, Missouri. It's two and a half days drive time from me to him. But when I send him parts, even if they're overnight, he makes a couple of hits and then says, well, you know, here's what we're up to. All right, great. If I was there and I had a test stand in a trailer with all with all the calibration shims and even some spare nozzles, I could make weeks worth of differences in 24 to 48 hours. So instead of everybody, like Chase Fleece has a dyno, I can basically jump in the truck, throw the trailer behind the truck, two and a half, three days, I'm at Fleece's shop. And when I get there, all right, here's the here's our base set. And then I'm not going to ask anybody at home to do any work for me. I'm gonna, we're going to exhaust what we have. We're going to walk out into the trailer. We're going to recalibrate these injectors. We're going to turn around, bring them back in. We're going to set them on the dyno, and we're going we're to make some more hits until we finally get this motor for whatever its build is. 
a lot of things are class specific. Some things are just like, you know, badass street motors, and you want them to be as clean as possible. If I take nozzles, that's not that big of a deal. But putting them on bodies when you're there and not being able to recalibrate them, that's dangerous. So that's one of the ideas that we're working on this year as well. And, and the test end in route, the test end probably be at my shop within the next 10 days. That's going to be really cool to be able to do that. <laughs> It'll change the game because when I get to Perkins's place, when I get to Fleece's place, when I get to anybody's engine dyno, I can stay there and just recalibrate, recalibrate, recalibrate. And when that customer takes their motor off, it is as tuned as you could possibly get it. Uh, you know, hands down, there's some guys that do amazing things when they when they jump in on that uh, team viewer, and you know you got a guy that squeezes a throttle, he makes a hit. The guy that's on team viewer looking through EFI Live is able to look at the data. Everybody looks at you know the the dyno data. Boost is here, drive is here, EGT is here. We had a you know a flame coming out the stack, all these types of things. And then the guy with that's doing the remote tuning, as long as he is focused on your project, he doesn't actually need to be there to really live tune it as long as everybody's giving him it sounds like this it popped like that here's a video watch this you can get things tuned in with a laptop pretty fast but when it comes to injectors not so much so you know if i'm working with chad at on our dyno or if i'm working with uh, the guys at freedom uh, when they say hey we, we have a problem now the injectors got to come out they got to get ups back to me I've got to go through and try and figure out what it is that I'm going to do without actually seeing the motor or hearing the motor myself. And then I've got to send them back and be like, all right, guys, good luck. I hope it works better. Hey, it works better. Hey, it works worse. So you eat up a week and you eat up $500 in, in UPS charges really fast. Well, in the future, hey, look, I've got this high-end motor. I've got three of them scheduled. Be here on this date, all right, and I'll be there for five or six days probably, and we're going to nail three really badass projects and they're going to be dialed in tighter than they've ever been dialed in before ever on this planet. That's one of the, the things with the diesel industry and community that I love is the ingenuity of it. And I mean, it, I think at its core, that's what has drawn us all to diesels in general is what they allowed us to do, you know, especially in the early days of well, I can have this three quarter ton, one ton truck, use it for work, tow a trailer, go to test and tunes or the racetrack, have fun with it. And it was so versatile. And then we have this situation, this pandemic and what you just described. I know in the past, I've never even heard of that. I've never even <laughs> had anyone mention that at like, Hey, here's a really, you know, I, here's an idea I have and I think it'll work or even probably things in the shop. And with systems and shipping and answering phones and how adaptable the industry has been to this that in the future it's going to be so different but in an amazing way. You know, on our side of it, like just the injector side of it, like I've had people call me up in the past six months and say, hey, you know, I want you to work on my truck. I want you to build me a truck. And I literally just took like a page out of Warren Buffett's book, No not going to do it. I, I don't have the time. I really don't have the interest or the ability anymore. I will give you a few names of people I would trust to build my truck, go see them and let them see me about the fuel side of it. So I can stay focused on the fuel side. Mm -hmm. And it's really helped my company because now I'm not spread between somebody's truck and everybody else's injectors. Yeah. So our crew, 
you know, we've still got our dyno, the uh, the chassis dyno. We're building another building out back of our, our property right now. So we'll have, we'll basically be able to shoot video, we'll be able to do dyno pulls, and we'll be able to work on our own projects within 50 feet of all the calibration equipment. So that's going to speed up, like, because we are doing a bunch of, like, uh, EO testing right now, and we're working with the SEMA garage on that stuff. Uh, we've got the gas testing stuff already in-house, but it's kind of a pain for us. Right now it's a 45-minute drive from one shop to the next. And like I say, when you get there, you do your observations, and then you turn around, you shut down, you drive 45 minutes home. Are you really going to go back the exact same day to swap injectors again and then try and collect more data that same day? Probably not because you run into other things that, well, if I stay, I can get these two things done instead of leaving and trying to get this one thing done. Uh, so you're, hopefully by Christmas, the new building is in and the dyno's in the backyard, and we can do the, all the gas sniffing, like I say, within 50 feet of all calibration equipment. It's going to be huge. So if you thought dynamite was, like, hot before, it's going to be even more hot next year. Like, we're changing the game and going to try and just service, like, all of our customers, especially the shops. When a shop owner buys injectors, they instill you know, trust in us that they don't have to take the injectors back out, send them back in for warranty or because one of them rattles or because one of them leaks. And for me, I take that very seriously because if I do my job wrong, that guy can't make any money and he's got a customer yelling at him across the front counter about why did I buy these injectors from you if they weren't going to be any good. So we're, I take it real seriously and, and that's why we try to, you know, we hired a new guy like a week ago and yesterday took him and our, our two phone guys now Took him out to lunch yesterday and I said, guys, you know, how many people with a crew the size of ours does the numbers we do, but yet how many warranty calls do you really get? And they're both like, man, we just don't, we haven't really had any. And they've both worked for other companies where warranty is kind of a thing. And I said, well, that's exactly why I work so hard to try and make sure that, like, our recipes are so reliable, we just don't have warranty. And if it is a warranty, a lot of it's like, like we had an injector body come in that was cracked and somebody wedged a connector tube in the body so tight that it split the body. Well, that's damn sure not Dynamite's problem, but we warrantied it out anyway and just sent him a note, hey, we're going to warranty this for you, but next time it's 37 foot-pounds, not 370K. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen that happen ever, but sure enough, it happens. We warrantied it out, and of course, you know, he's probably upset at us because it happened, but flip side of that is I could be upset, but it's one in – you know, not very many. And then that makes me really think, like, okay, we need to get back on our website. We need to make sure that the website has the torque spec. Nobody ever read instructions, you know, whether it was from Ikea or from Dynamite Diesel. Nobody ever reads paper instructions. So we're trying to put all of the data on the website because everybody's got an iPhone, they've got a Droid, they've got something. And if they need information, they're going to jump on that. And if we can draw them to our website to get the proper torque specs and instructions, hey, that's great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do that. It's like I'll always open my phone, go to the internet, and then go to the manufacturer's site. If I need to know something, I'm like, oh, what's the torque spec on this or the sequence or something? That's how I do it because I've already lost the paper instructions or they're in the box and trash already. And, you know, it's just how things have happened. But that, that is that is really cool. And I think, especially with the EO stuff, which we've talked a little bit about before, and all that's happening with the newer trucks is – for years and years and years it was well if your truck has 
a DPF on it, well, you might as well. You're just going to have to sacrifice performance. You're not going to have it. And uh, if you do want to have it, you need to buy a Pre-07 truck. And that is not the case anymore, whether it's a Duramax, a Power Stroke, or a Cummins. It's not the same. And some of the things, not just power, but just also economy and efficiency that is available and is going to be available makes that argument not valid anymore. These new trucks are doing a lot of cool things and within a framework that you can drive them, you know, eventually to every, you know, one day to every state. You can get these products in any state and that's really exciting. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Years, it'll take years for, you know, like you can, <clears throat> today, you can go and purchase a brand new 700 horsepower Mopar you know, Challenger Charger in the Hellcat form, 707 horsepower. You can go buy a brand new 650 horsepower, like Z06 or a Z01 Camaro. So Z06 Corvette, Z01 Camaro. Wind back to 1980, and those things were freaking anemic. They were 175 horsepower, smog pump, catalytic converter, garbage, horrible gas mileage. You go buy a brand new Corvette, drive that thing, you know, like, like a regular car, and it gets better than 20 miles to the gallon. You go buy a brand new uh, Hellcat, drive it like a white man, and and try to, and I shouldn't say that because I drive horribly and I'm half white, but you drive that thing like you're not trying to break the car, and it gets better than 20 miles per gallon. There's 700 horsepower. You stand on the gas pedal and the thing gets unreal real fast. I do believe that trucks back in 07 were like cars or, or I should say the gas world in like 1980. Like here's all your missions, deal with it yeah. over the years. It took a couple of decades. People got a lot smarter, but now, you know, there's guys driving cars that are just unreal for power. Like I've told you, you know, Hey, I've got this Yukon. It makes like 550 horsepower of the tire. Uh, I blew it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was supposed to be, you know, the 5.3 is supposed to be more durable than the 6-liter, blah, 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 smaller pistons, more durability, more iron, less wiggle. And I still ended up hurting a piston. So was I using 550 horsepower? Probably. But it broke. And transmission's still good. Like, the car is still great. Motor's out right now. We're going through that. and going to try and figure out, like, what we're going to do to make it a bit more durable. And I decided that instead of me trying to uh, – to feel exhilarated in a 5.3 that weighs like 6,000 pounds, I'm just going to put it back together. We're going to put the small pulley back on it, and we're going to turn it down, and I'm going to sell it and buy something much, much lighter with equal, if not more, power and probably have it be reliable right from the factory and just drive it. So where does that leave us with trucks? I think that we, on technology side, are going to be – whether it's Ford, Chevy, or Dodge, this year with the EDM and all the experiments that we've tried, um, whether it's really old. So, like, I've got a customer in Texas that works at a fuel injection shop, and he's had this 12-valve engine for quite some time, and I mean, like, 15 years. 
it's had several different, you know, versions of it. And uh, we ended up building him a 10-hole nozzle for the 12-valve head, so they're, you know, they're in an elliptical-style pattern. And it was a 70-liter-a-minute nozzle, so that's probably like a, well, factory's like 37 liters a minute, and he's at 70, so, you know, it's a pretty good-sized jump. And he's got himself a, a really built 215 pump. So he's got in excess of 12 to 1,400 horsepower with a fuel pretty solid. He calls up and he goes, man, in his, you know, Texas drawl, I can't copy it very well, but uh, he's like, man, I've had a lot of sets of injectors in this truck over the years, and I've never had it run this damn good. He said, smoke, non-existent, like haze, non-existent. You, you touch the key, it purrs better than a stock truck, and I'm not kidding you. It sounds better than a stock truck now. That's exciting because yeah. if you can reach back to mechanical tractor power and make that stuff run that good, imagine what we're already doing with common rail stuff because we're employing those same methods, which a lot of that stuff we're going through patent processes right now. And, uh, yeah, it's I've got six, seven trucks that are bone stock that get 20 and change miles per gallon. And they're not killing DPFs. They're not breaking down. We've got VP44 trucks. We did a dyno test on one here. Oh, it was about a month ago. Uh, one of my one of the mechanics who used to work for me, he was working on a on a farm truck, and I mean like service body tools, so you can fix a tractor in the field kind of service body. Thing weighed 12,000 pounds, and from the center of Washington to our dyno is probably, that's uh, probably dang near 200 miles. That truck pulled almost 20 miles per gallon hand calculated. And then when we put it on the dyno, it made about 85 horsepower more than a stock truck. Wow. No smoke. Like we, we set up a camera at the tailpipe just to watch the opacity during the run. No smoke. So, you know, all in all, like some of these things that we're doing, it takes the OEMs, you know, bear in mind, some of those guys are making six or 8,000 nozzles per day. I cannot. Uh, we take anywhere from one to seven minutes per nozzle. So there's no way we're going to do any of the thousands of numbers because the patterns that we're using and the wire diameter we're using is just a slower process. And my machine, it's not built for mass production. It's built for more of a precise, like, slow it down and make sure you get it right kind of a thing. And wire diameter, like we basically buy tungsten, and we can buy tungsten every tenth of a thousandth of an inch, and then we burn the hole, we throw it on the extrude hone, we've got a pressure, a media, and a second a goal that we like, and that gives us the radius where you see the fluid transition into the spray orifice, that's called K-factor. And however many thousands it takes for that transition and radius, I'm sure that every OEM out there has their kind of hidden secret or hidden recipe. But when you look at all the gas testings, that radius changes. Even though the nozzle flow rate doesn't change, the, the emissions output, so when you go to, like, do your OEM testing, the emissions output changes quite a bit. So it's critical that we have the ability, if we're going to burn – say, eight holes at six thousandths, it's critical that we do it at 5.9 thousandths, that we do it at 5.8 thousandths, we do it at 5.7, and it's critical that we do it at 6.0, 6.5, 6 
six thou one tenth, six thou two tenths, six thou three tenths. Then we throw them on the extrude hone. And then we measure the flow rate. Each one of those nozzles will end up being the same flow rate, but it'll have different gas characteristics. And that's the kind of thing that we have to start studying now in order to get those uh, executive operations orders in place and start being able to pass this stuff with gas testing and not killing the diesel particulate filters. And that's where the future is. <laughs> that's where the appers are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it's cool, though. It, it, it's all cool to just see to see it and be able to, you know, chat with you and, and hear all that's going into it. So, I mean, it's coming up on us fast, what the tuners are able to produce, what – you know, you're able to do with fuel and what's happening on the turbo side to be able to have fun trucks and still have that reliability, but then also, you know, increase power levels that, I mean, diesel was just born out of it. It was born out of modifying. I'm trying to get a bit more and learning the limits. Well, in the past, the limits were learned by breaking stuff or, you know, by, I don't want to say guessing, but you know, there, there wasn't the amount of technology or data you could pull from it whereas now you could probably get as much as you want out of it and be able to test it like in those stands that you were talking about in the, in the trailer and be able to do it on site so i think it's going to be something that's really exciting to watch not just with the racing side but also you know the daily driver towing setup and there there was a question i had before i let you go and it was about that post on instagram you had with the engine and I was scrolling through and I saw the Mike Tyson injectors and I'm like, this engine's no joke when you got Mike Tyson injectors in it. What is this going to be? What is this going to be going in? What are, what are your plans with it? Uh, well, I bought a brand new truck back in 2002. It's a dark gray uh, club cab, long bed truck. And throughout its life, it's had basically every version of every injection style in it. And what's going in that truck right now, so it's, it's a solid chassis, so it's a flood pull chassis. It's got a Rockwell under it, uh, I guess an SQHD. It's got a uh, drop box in it, hydraulic steering, and we're going to end up putting a solid-filled deck plate motor in it that uh, buddy Chad Perkins put together for me. It's got the, uh, I guess it's SMT is the brand for roller rockers. It's got, uh, it's got a Hamilton cam in it, and it's got what we are – officially at is 800 percent they are five hole nozzle and it that's one of the nozzles that we started with as a blank so we were able to poke the hole to our size and i threw them on a set of used bodies that we had kicking around the shop for the last few years that was like in and out of the ucc truck and in and out of you know dustin jackson stuff and you know, all the race guys that we support, those bodies all get modified the same. And then when somebody needs something, I just, you know, throw whatever nozzle on that body and then calibrate it. Well, they've been sitting around. I don't know where they came from. I don't know who, I don't know how many hits are on them, but I, I thought, well, I don't know if it's going to work or not. So we, we built this nozzle at 800% over. And if you look at that picture, you'll see that K factor I keep talking about. Um, if I burn that nozzle with, like, say, a 5 by 21 and a half thou wire, you'll see zero K factor. But then we shove some extrude hone through there at, and again, hole size dictates what media you have to use in order to get any cutting out of it. So you're not going to use the same exact media at three thousandths as you would at, at 20 thousandths. It's not the same material. And then pressure. You have to adjust pressure. So 
extrude honing isn't just like shoving silly putty through a nozzle and looking for it, you know, to polish. There is kind of an art and kind of a science to it, and you've got to, you know, it's just taken us years to kind of figure it out and and uh, play with, you know, which medias we, we really like and which medias work really good with certain hole sizes. But in the test stand, you'll see that even not adjusting the hole diameter, and this is what annoys me about people when they call and they say, I want to set a 5x16s or 5x18s or 5x20s. They have no idea what they're talking about as far as flow rate. And flow rate, the engine makes power off of millimeters cubed. So just because it's, uh, say, 5x21.5 thou, if we don't shove any extrude hone media through there, it's not going to flow worth a damn. Once we get the K-factor correct, it flows really, really, really well. So those are an 800% over with, like, perfect machine work and they flow a load. So that truck currently has three SNS 12-millimeter reverse rotation pumps on it and a waterman, and yesterday we were able to go from really, really, really big fuel supply pressure down to almost none during the dyno runs. So we know that we've got some leaks in those bodies, so the bodies are coming back out. Uh, but I tell you what, that dyno that we have set pretty tight, and I was I was blown away at what it made for power. Like, first hit, it starts, it runs, it idles, it does everything it's supposed to do, and it made some really good power for that class. So it's going to be a 3.6-inch, you know, PPL-certified motor. So there's no map groove, you know, there's no nitrous, there's no water. It's just boost and intercooler, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm pretty stoked. Like, that thing's going to rip. And when you start spinning RPM, the common rails in the past, you would see kind of a candlestick coming out the smokestack, right? Yeah. And that's because you would start to see these guys, in order to make the power, they were having to stretch out the, the injection event above what the motor was really ready to take. So as the exhaust valve opens, combustion process is still going on, and then you see the rest of the combustion process pass through the turbine housing, out the smokestack, and you got the candlestick. Now, with the injectors being as big as they are and, and injecting as fast as they are with the response time being as quick as it is, we're able to keep EGT in check. So no nitrous, no water, and that thing still on the dyno, on the engine dyno, only made 1,400 degrees of EGT. So, you know, we're down from a few years ago where 1,750, 800 was acceptable. Now we're down to 1,400 using no nitrous, no water injection event is now we basically made almost the same damn power on 1100 microseconds as we did 1200 but it cooled off meaning we overfueled it a little bit at 1200 us and uh at 1200 us that's unheard of like before to make you know really close to that 2000 mark you know guys have been 2000 2500 2600 microseconds and we're down to 1200 microseconds and we're managing egt there that's really exciting because that's, uh, yeah, it's so different than what it what it used to be. And, of course, reliability changes as well and the durability of of the engine and the turbo and, you know, not melting anything down. And I think that, that goes back to what we're chatting about with, with the uh, the technology and, and the research and the precision, which, you know, is like what, what you're doing on that engine, you're already doing on – the emissions equipped trucks or the 12 valve or the VP 44 truck or the common rail, you know, it's 
all of this stuff. Like I've got some really smart friends in this industry, and you know, if I started naming names, I'd be here for another half hour just naming some of the really smart people. And those guys that I consider to be friends that are really smart, each one of them's getting, getting. They're not just truck people anymore. Now we've got the engine guy. Now we've got the tuner people. Now we've got the camshaft people. Now we've got. They're getting into their niche, and they're spending all of their time working on their niche. And that's why these products across the board continuously get better because we don't have people just building everything anymore because you're going to do everything kind of half-assed. But if you work with guys that are specializing in something that they're really good at, man, I'm telling you, like even over two years ago, things are so much better now than they were. We've learned a lot. We've learned that you get to 4,000 engine RPM, and I'm promising you, if you're stretched out to 22 to 24, 2600 microseconds, that motor is a time bomb. You get to 5,000 engine RPM, if you get over 1600 microseconds, that motor is not going to live that long. It's a time bomb. But two years ago, I wouldn't have known that. Two years ago, I didn't know that. Two years ago, I didn't even understand why. But it's all about, you know, piston speed. So engine RPM increases, so does piston speed. If piston speed goes up, the amount of time between piston events decreases immensely. So you've got to start injecting the fuel in shorter and shorter and shorter durations. So when somebody goes, well, my tuner says he can tune this down, he can tune this up, that's true to a point. But, like, you really need to be sure that you're going to target the injector size for the job, the turbo, and the air that you have, and the RPM you're going to spin. That That's just... If you want the thing to live, please answer all those questions correctly because we can help you. But if you don't care if it lives or not, then hey, I'll build you whatever you want me to build you. That's where that's where it pays off. I think you know in these power levels, just to call you guys and explain the the project. And you've mentioned that before. With yeah, you know, we want to know what you're doing. We want to know how you're going to be racing it, or you know, are you going to be towing with the truck? What are your goals for it? So. You guys have already learned those lessons and already have the data versus, you know, me driving my truck out there on the street and figuring out, well, I shouldn't have done that. Now I need to buy an engine or I need to buy a turbo or something like that. And so that's where I think leaning on the professionals prior to jumping into a project is is so helpful. And it's been really cool to hear what you guys have been working on the last few months and especially with what you guys are going to be doing with like on-site testing and, and supporting like those shops that you talked about and, and uh, you know, some of the race teams and, and just different things out there. I'm really excited to catch up with you in a few months. It was like two months ago, you know, we chatted and so much has changed since then. So it's gonna be really cool to catch up with you here shortly and see, see what else is new at, at dynamite diesel products and, and uh, some of the feedback and, and things that, uh, you know, you talked about today that are, you know, going to be out there in the, in the diesel community. Well, you know, I know that you're going to be posting this up here in about a week or so. Um, for all the listeners out there, please, you know, follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And really, I'm going to try and become a bit more uh, – we're going to try and get people involved with our builds a bit more. And a lot of people are really private about their builds, and they want to kind of keep it, you know, hush-hush top secret. My job is to sell parts that work. And if I can educate our client base and help them build things that live, I'm doing my job better in my world. So, you know, like I'm, I'm already telling people like, hey, look, take a stab, guess what this thing makes for power. 
uh, by the time this, this audio, you know, actually releases, then that information is going to be out there. But for you people that don't follow us right now, jump on there and follow us, and the next time we do another build, we're going to start asking more questions, and we're still going to keep you fed with information like this is why we're building it, this is how we're using this is why we're using these pistons, how come we're doing this kind of compression? Well, let me tell you why. Uh, I really do want to make sure that, you know, your, your followers uh, become more educated and they start to build better trucks that are more reliable for whatever application, whether it's towing their boat, their horse trailer, or sled pulling or drag racing or whatever. Like, I just want to make sure everybody really loves their truck. Don't forget, Diesel fans, if you're not following us on YouTube, I want to encourage you guys to do so. Just search the Diesel Podcast, hit the subscribe button. You'll get our episodes there first, and there's a lot of additional information that we have on there. So there's a lot of videos that we repost of trucks or builds or products. They go above and beyond what our podcast episodes can can talk about just because it's visual there you're going to see the install of a product you're going to see how it goes on or a really cool build and be able to to go through it with the uh the owner and you know see what he's talking about with wheels or tires or or a lift kit and also if you're not following dynamite diesel definitely want to encourage you guys to do that they've got a whole a whole host of information that they they put out which is really cool so recently they've been doing an engine dyno and testing different injectors and tuning and different things to get the most out of this engine they're doing some really cool giveaways so make sure you subscribe and, and like them on instagram facebook just search dynamite diesel products and you'll find them right there till next time keep the shiny side up